0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Sparkfund. Sparkfund is an enterprise services platform. They design, implement, and manage unique customer programs to utilities and other leading energy brands who want to bring new ESG-aligned offers to their customers around decarbonization, electrification, and resilience. Sparkfund's enterprise services platform has all the capabilities needed to achieve those goals and can be accessed at a lower cost compared to building the necessary capabilities in-house. So great to have Spark Fund on as a new sponsor here. And on today's episode, episode 80, we sit down with Doug Golden. Doug and I go back away, so it was great to reconnect and, and really the timing was was perfect. As Doug is launching his new position with Spark Fund as the COO. Not only do we cover Spark Fund and how they're going to market today, but Doug walks us through his career, his background, and how he eventually landed in this role. Doug gives us an added bonus of an economic outlook, especially as it relates to interest rates for financing energy efficiency projects, which is something that I was just personally curious about. So really appreciated Doug providing some insight there. And I also appreciated Doug's advice that he would give to his 22-year-old self at the end. So you'll want to stick around for that one. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider downloading this episode and future episodes. This is really the only way that we can track how many people are listening. So if you're one of the folks out there who are still streaming the episodes, I urge you to consider hitting that download button instead. Now, if you enjoy this episode, please share it, leave a five-star review. Now, we think you're going to really enjoy this conversation with Doug and I. So let's drop in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Doug Golden, who is the COO with Spark Fund. Doug, welcome to the show. Hi, Jim. Thanks. Yeah, it's great to be on with you. Yeah, I know you and I go back a little ways. You know, we've been in touch for for uh, a little while now, and I thought this was the perfect time with you being the new COO of Spark Fund to. Uh, to have this podcast and talk a little bit about your background and, and what you guys are up to. So, so let's start there. Uh, for our audience that doesn't know Doug Golden, tell us about where you grew up and you know, kind of how you got started in your career.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, I grew up up north in Pennsylvania, live in Houston, Texas today, went to Syracuse for college, uh, which is really what prompted my, my move south. Uh, Forty years of Syracuse winters will make anybody uh, want to not see snow like that again in their lifetime. Um, or or cold weather, right? So uh, I, I got out of college in 2002, and the economy was kind of in the tank, right? That was right after the dot com right. bust. It was uh, right, you know, really kind of pre, but but on the downslope of Enron, WorldCom, Tyco, and so the economy was in the uh, in the toilet almost. And um, I started looking for jobs, and and I wish I could tell you I had some really. You know, very specific want or desire to get into the energy space, but I didn't. It was the first place where I got a job in in 2003. Uh, Started working for Reliant Energy in in Houston, Texas, which is what brought me down here. Um, And I spent 12 years with Reliant through multiple iterations of of their ups and downs and ultimately getting bought by NRG in 2009. Uh, I left there as managing director of commercial sales for Reliant. I was leading a team of nationwide business developers and originators who were responsible for uh, originating projects across the U.S., across all business lines of NRG. At the time, we were the largest solar developer in North America. We had just acquired a demand response company out of Buffalo, New York. We had just acquired uh, a few years prior a reliability services group that was installing backup generation. We had grown organically, an EV services team, and of course, the hallmark brands of Reliant and Green Mountain Energy and selling commodity and deregulated markets. Um, That shift from a uh, traditional just brown power company to being the the, the leader, and, and our vision was to be the first true 21st century energy company, is really what set me on motion to be to have this sustainability, renewable energy, leave the planet in a better place than we found it mentality. Uh, from Reliant, I spent two years uh, leading business development at Metris Energy, uh, who pioneered the uh, energy efficiency as a service platform, and then crossed paths at, at Eco Engineering, uh, where I started off leading their commercial industrial energy efficiency sales, and and ultimately built and grew a sustainable energy offering for eco-engineering, which consisted of solar, battery energy storage systems, EV charging installations, standby and primary gen sets, fuel cells, um, really anything that produced or consumed electricity, but did so in a greener and cleaner way. Uh, And then as Jim said, I recently started at at Spark Fund as chief operating officer. I've been here now for, I think, six weeks as we sit and, and record this podcast. So it's a uh, uh, it's been a, a fun six weeks so far. I'm, I'm still trying to figure everything out um, as far as you know what Slack channels I use for uh, for for certain messages and things like that. But it's it's certainly fun and and really you know the building of my career to this point. Um, I've spent twenty years almost in sales prior to leading an operations team now. And uh, as I looked at at myself and reflected on what I want to do. For this next phase of my life, uh, the operations function and, and leading and scaling an operations team uh, with a company is is where I settled, and uh, I'm I'm happy to have that opportunity at Spark Fund.
0: So, before we get into Spark Fund, I want to just go back to uh, to Eco Engineering and the uh, kind of the sustainable energy group that you were. Developing that you're responsible for, for kind of leading and, and developing. So, so what was kind of the uh, the genesis of that? Because I know for a long time, Eco Engineering had traditionally just done lighting and lighting control retrofit projects. But then at some point, there was hey, here's solar, here's backup generation, micro good opportunities, here's EV charging. So, you know, how did that
1: happen? Yeah, so you know, if you look back at the company, um, you're right. The Eco Engineering was a a really well respected or is a really well respected lighting services contractor in the both CNI and ESCO space and had spent 25 years into that business up until the point where we really took a hard look at the business and said, okay, if we want to continue to grow the business, um, what else are our clients demanding? And we looked at a few things, water efficiency, building envelope, and and we, we really settled um, on this sustainable energy space, especially solar, Um, as closest to our core competencies as a electrical contractor and electrical engineering firm you know water is just too far out HVAC and and mechanical is is really far out um and and so it was this okay you know we can we can use our current uh processes and people um the, the what I'd like to tell people all the time is, you know, in, uh, in, in, in solar and, and backup gen and, and EV, you know, if you look at our, uh, at the, at Eco Engineering's end to end process, and they're a really process driven company, um, the, the processes are the same from lighting to solar. It's just the tasks are different. Right. And so if you, if you just replace the tasks with, um, with the tasks for solar, you can follow the same generic process that, that, that goes from end to end. Um, Tom Kirkpatrick uh, also has this, you know, true vision of of doing good for the planet. And the, you know, that when when he bought Eco Engineering, that was really the the premise of him buying the company, as it was a, a a company that was helping folks reduce their electricity consumption. There's only so much you can reduce; you can't ever get to zero, right? And so now it's this whole um, taking it from brown power that you're getting off the grid from your utility. To green power that you're producing uh, on site, and uh, and and so that was the natural fit for the company, and it was great that that business um, now represents over fifty percent of of Eco Engineering's total annual revenues in a very short amount of time.
0: Yeah, that was really cool to uh, to hear about and see, and um, you know, it's just uh, I think it's a testament to where the industry is going, which I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into a little bit later. But uh, before we do that. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Spark Fund, aside from figuring out the Slack channel, which I think says a lot about a company. Uh, you know, the technology side of it. Right? I think it, if it's a technology-driven company, they tend to be on Slack, or at least that's my uh, that's my take on it. But uh, tell us a little. Let's, let's just say there's audience members out there that don't know who Spark Fund is. Give us the, the fundamental version of, of who they are and kind of you know how they're going to market today.
1: Yeah, so Spark Fund uh, actually just celebrated its ninth birthday. Um, which is which is great. Next year we'll be uh, we'll be a, that double digit kid. Um, so Spark Fund has actually gone through multiple iterations uh, since its founding. Really started off by funding smaller scale energy efficiency projects. A um, little bit different end of the spectrum from where I was at Metris, where we were funding really large scale energy efficiency projects. Spark Fund started on the smaller side by supporting really more of your local or, or regional contractor base to get, you know, 25,000 to 100,000 dollar projects sold um to oh, help wow. them okay. across, across the finish line. And that business is great. It's a it's a great business, but it's really difficult to scale. Right? You're you're educating lots and lots and lots of contractors all the time. Anytime you make an update to one of your forms, you have to make it, you know, three hundred times if you have three hundred people in your system. And so that business is tough to scale. And, and so Sparkfund, you know, started then going after the direct customer sales model, uh, realizing also that is is a difficult business to scale. And and which led us to where we are today, where we're a, a, an enterprise platform for utility companies and leading energy brands to offer our decarbonization, resilience and electrification solutions to their end user client base. And so that's folks on the regulated side like Excel and Georgia Power um, and um, and and Duke. it's folks that are more of your just you know energy suppliers like uh, Shell and, and LX way um, who were helping to offer these solutions to their clients. We have the platform built, um, so these leading brands and utilities don't need to replicate that platform themselves. Of going and hiring, you know, a team of development engineers and project managers and construction managers and service for after the sale, um, and and bringing in all the financing together. We we bring that package together in, in one nice bow um, and offer it as a platform for those folks to offer um, the solutions that their clients are demanding around. Decarbonization, electrification, resilience.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. So, so would you say? I heard utilities first, so that's where I'm I'm going to go with this. So, are the utilities the ones that are you know you feel like you're starting to see some traction and some opportunity with? Where their customers are commercial, industrial, institutional facilities? They got goals that they got to hit. So, you guys are assisting them and, and walking down that path and providing those solutions that you were referencing.
1: We are, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of folks out there who have mixed feelings, maybe, about their utility. And I think there's there's some um, there's some you know geographic uh, uh, restraints to that, maybe, where you know folks in a certain area just think that the, their utility isn't living up to to their expectations. But I think the heart of it, utilities are the trusted brand and the trusted supplier of of, of clean and safe electrons coming into your your home, your building, your, your, your business, your school, your church, right? The utility is there to provide really high levels of, of, of safety and reliability. And so they are the trusted brand for, for, for really the, the vast majority of, of, of people and businesses out there. And so it's leveraging their trust and recognition um, in the communities that they serve to then get the word out and have them offer these solutions to their clients. The market is shifting this way. Anyway, um, folks are in, in business and at home are seeking out these solutions to be, you know, to electrify their, their themselves, whether that's the installation of EV charging stations um, because they're switching away from a, a gas powered vehicle to an electric vehicle, the installation of a backup generator to be more resilient as climate change events happen more and more often, whether it's the installation of solar on their roof uh, or in their parking lot to green up their electricity supply or or really just the bread and butter, which is you know lighting upgrades, HVAC upgrades, water upgrades right anything that that will help you conserve natural resources um, and and reduce your overall consumption is 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 key and so these folks the 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 clients. Of these utilities and leading energy brands are doing this on their own anyway, and what the the value proposition to those utilities and, and leading energy brand companies are is they want to be that phone call, right? They want that that customer to pick up the, the phone and call them to help them solve this this problem of how do I decarbonize, how do I electrify, how do I become more resilient.
0: Makes sense. And anytime I think about a company that's involved on the the energy finance side of things, you know, I can't help but think about interest rates. And that just seems to be a common topic of conversation, no matter what industry you're in or what you're doing, right? But it's especially at play here and in our space as you look at uh, financing some of these projects. So Doug, I know you you can't predict the future, but uh, you know how do you evaluate where we're at today, right now, within the industry, interest rates as it relates to financing projects, and then where do you where do you see that aspect of our industry going right now?
1: Yeah, so that's a really interesting question, right? I, uh I actually hold an economics degree, so I have a little bit oh, okay. uh, of an actual academic academic view on interest rates versus uh, versus just more anecdotal of what people have in the industry. Sure. Uh, look, Jim, I think you know we we enjoyed a an environment of essentially, you know, free money for a really long time, right? And um it was good while it lasted. Um but but in the in the real world money is not free. Money is a a constrained resource and there's there's a there's a cost to it. Um you know, if I look back at, you know, I bought my first house in Houston in 2005 and interest rates were actually roughly where they were today and people still bought houses in 2005. In fact, you know, People were buying houses in 2005 at the rate that led up to the, what the mortgage meltdown in 2008 was, right? And so the, the the real estate market was vibrant in this interest rate environment in the past, and so the real estate market isn't going to collapse just because rates are at you know five or six percent now. Um, the same token, you know, folks have been implementing energy projects through one source or another of financing for for many years, whether that's the issuance of of bonds if they're in the municipal space. Whether that's through ESPCs in the ESCO market, um, there's this you know new financial vehicle of green bonds that that private uh, or you know privately held companies can issue, and I think really all of those, um, it, it people have done projects in interest rate environments when interest rates were free, and people did energy projects in the late 70s and 80s when interest rates were double digits. And what I think the biggest challenge for us is going to be not necessarily navigating a higher or a greater than zero interest rate environment, um, but at the speed at which it seems to be changing right now, at which the, the Federal Reserve continues to um, raise interest rates. Um, and, and I think we're going to see a slowdown of that. I think we're, we're reaching the point where the key indicators that they're trying to get in line, inflation certainly, um, is, is getting in line. Um, and I think we're gonna see a leveling off of that, and that won't be the 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 rate risk that we wear today from when we price a deal to a customer to when they actually sign it, I think you know slows down uh for us and uh, and we get back into a steady state and and look the the other side of that is the underlying cost of the technology that you're financing, and those costs continue to decline if you look at you know certainly an led cost curve. From ten years ago to today, you know, an LED lamp ten years ago might have cost twenty-five or thirty dollars, and today it costs you know four or five dollars. Um, and so you can actually, or you know, solar is the perfect example of that, right? I uh, when I was in this business at NRG ten or twelve years ago, you know, it was you know solar modules were a buck a watt, right, and, and and even higher. I mean, when I first started in that business, they were a buck twenty and and then they were a dollar a watt, well, now, you know, solar modules are, are less than half of that cost on a, on a per watt basis. Um, the ITC has been extended for 10 years, giving certainty to that market, which, which certainly helps. Um, but the underlying costs are are coming way down of the technology that you're financing. So, you know, another couple points on the interest rate isn't what's going to swing a deal from from yes to no.
0: All right. Well, there there you go for our audience our regular listeners, they're not used to getting economic insights. So this is an added bonus. Appreciate that uh, that is that was those that was very that was poignant, right? I think that that really that really wraps everything up the uh, challenges that uh, that we're hearing in the marketplace and the conversations that people tend to have around that. So that was good stuff. So so Doug, that kind of set us up for kind of the next phase here of the conversation. You know, where do you see interest rates aside? Where do you see the industry heading as it relates to technology, as it relates to just kind of the macroeconomic trends? And then where do you see Spark Fund being a part of that?
1: Yeah. So I think we're we're moving towards a more distributed energy society, right? Distributed energy resources, whether it's through solar and battery storage today or solar and um, hydrogen storage and production tomorrow. I think, you know, just I, I could probably speak for the next 30 minutes on on my views on hydrogen as the as the next fuel source of the future. I'm not going to do that, Jim, and bore you. But, um, you know, I think batteries are really that that stopgap until hydrogen technology gets to be uh, inexpensive enough and scalable enough where you can pair it with renewable generation sources, both at a customer facility and in the middle of, you know the Mojave Desert, right? Where people are building gigantic solar farms and wind farms. But overall, I think um, electricity becomes. This isn't really groundbreaking news. I think there's lots of people out there who are saying this, but you know the the industry becomes more distributed. Uh, you have a lot more control then over your energy sources, your energy usage. Um, I think that there's going to be a, a fair amount of technology that's developed then for folks to. Act as a virtual power plant of their, of their own and monetize um, their behaviors. And so, if you have a generation source on your site, um, you can receive price signals of what the where the market is and make decisions around um, how you utilize the energy you're producing and how you send some of that back up to the grid and maybe get paid for it. Right? I think that's the that's the real future here. Is is building. Um, resilient systems on people's facilities that will allow them to decarbonize their overall emissions um, from electricity usage and give them mechanisms if they so choose to participate in any upside that the market offers them as
0: a result of it. Yeah, and you mentioned virtual power plants there now that is something that uh, i'm hearing more and more about and i think that uh, when you start hearing it on a regular basis there, there's something to it so i guess i will uh, put out a public announcement here if anyone's got some expertise in virtual power plants i think that would make sense to be the next uh, next guest here so i appreciate you mentioning that well doug let's uh, let's transition to the last part of the show here i wanted to ask you the same four questions i asked every guest who comes on and wanted to lead off here with what are your daily non-negotiables
1: yeah, so no matter so I travel a, a fair amount for for work. I always have, and, and I, I don't see that really changing for me. So my daily non negotiables are. Um, I'm actually going to to split that up. I think as to when I'm in Houston and when I'm on the road. But one thing that I do no matter where I am, I start my day off reading reading news. I, I get a couple of news briefs every morning, and I start my morning off reading uh, the news and starting my day that way. You know, and it's actually a pretty wide range of news sources. Some that Folks may call um, very left leaning, and some that folks may call very right leaning. I actually have a a pretty wide range of news sources that I that I read every morning. Um, When I'm in Houston, a a absolute non negotiable for me is is I take 30 minutes out of my day every day to uh, to to play with my dog Jack. Um, I have an 11 and a half year old now, uh, greyhound mix, and uh, I, I spend 30 minutes a day at least when I'm here just playing with him and. I have found, Jim, over the years that that is the time when I'm, when I'm spending time with him, whether we're out taking a walk or we're, you know, throwing a ball down and him running back and bringing it to me. That's the time where I actually don't ever think about anything else except for what I'm in the moment. So that's my 30 minutes of totally clear headspace every day um, is with him.
0: That's hard um, to find.
1: It is hard to find. Yeah, it is really hard to find, right? Um, and then when I'm on the road, I'm a, I'm a big sucker for buy local. And uh, so I always seek out um, local places, whether it's you know a local coffee shop or a local bagel shop or something for breakfast. I'm a I'm a big I'm a big believer in buy local, and uh, and I, I do support local businesses here in Houston, but I especially support local businesses um, when I'm when I'm traveling.
0: Well, next time we get together, I'll make sure we don't get up uh, meet up at Starbucks then. So um, <laughs> we didn't last time. No, we didn't. We didn't. Uh, it was in new Orleans. Yeah. Uh, local Ben shop. What, uh, what advice would you give to your, uh, your 22 year old self you're coming out of Syracuse?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll back up a little bit. I, I started Syracuse thinking that I'd go on to law school, right? That was my, that was my kind of, um, ultimate end game there. I, uh, and, and I actually went as far as taking the LSATs. Um, but, um, did not go on to law school uh, I think there you know the the economy shifted very very dramatically from two thousand one to two thousand two and uh, I watched a lot of my fraternity brothers and friends who were graduating in no one get extremely high paying job offers and so I just kind of ran the calculus in my mind and thought okay if I can come out of school making a lot you know this much money why would I want to go and spend three more years of time in school for going that plus incurring a lot more cost to to go to law school and so I then kind of made the decision not to go to law school, um, though I've gotten to play pretend lawyer a lot of times in my career. Um, So I think, you know, the the overall advice, it's my long way of saying just be flexible, right? And what you think you're going to do is is probably not what you really actually end up doing. Uh, And I'll I'll use the story from my time at at Reliant. So I started uh, in a really basic entry-level back office role at Reliant. Uh, moved into the sales group, took a job in the sales group as a sales support analyst. And that, for me, the the ultimate goal there was to become a trader. And you kind of work up through, you know, real-time trader, day-ahead trader, and then, and then your long-term origination. And that's, you know, as an as an economics major, um, that's really kind of where you want to go, right? That's That was my path. I did not want to be a salesperson. I took the role in sales to learn just more about the business, particularly the wholesale business. Um, Two years into that, I found myself as a as a salesperson, um, and in the in the national account group at, at Reliant. And uh, again, thinking like, okay, this is just a stopgap for me. I'm going to go off and, and do something else. And then I, I worked up through sales leadership, and and really did enjoy sales. But you know, had you told me at 22 that I would have been leading a sales team. You know, at, at 28, I would have told you you were, you were nuts. I had zero desire to go into sales, though I've made a a pretty good career of it. So um, be flexible for sure. You know, what you think you're going to start off by doing is not what you're going to end up doing, uh, and that's okay. Um, and, and my path has has led me here. And I think the other one, and this is especially important now in virtual work environments, is make yourself as visible as possible. But... Only in the in the way of where you're you're seeking knowledge, right don't make yourself visible from a where you're a, a problem or, or causing problems or trying to be disruptive um but it's it's increasingly difficult now i think for 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 people who are earlier in their career to gain that face time with folks in leadership positions because they most likely sit in different cities. Right, so try to figure out ways to make yourself visible in your quest for knowledge.
0: No, it's very, uh, it's very true. Yeah, especially this this work environment that we're in. Yeah, virtually for sure. So, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
1: You know, I uh, um, I, I used to joke all the time. I have a a, a a great former colleague who has been a past podcast member here, uh, Bill Burnett, and and Bill and I both had you know similar paths of of sales to sales leadership. And we both used to joke that, you know, we were just really average salespeople. And I think that's that's certainly wrong for Bill. Uh, he was certainly, I'm sure, an above average salesperson. And I think, you know, people would say that I was too. But you know, but both of us really just like maybe sales in an average way. Um and 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 both of us really, you know, wanted to be leaders in the organization. So leadership is something that really, really motivates me. Um I get really motivated by supporting and and watching a, a team be successful or individual members of a team be successful. That's really what gets me out of bed in the morning, is 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 leading a team, um, inspiring them, motivating them, and just letting them go and 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 do the great things that they're going to do, and then watching in their successes.
0: The last question here, Doug, what do you want your lasting legacy to be? I have
1: two really. One is just the the broad of what I'm doing today in the world and what my my job is. You know, I think just protecting the environment, protecting the planet and making sure that, you know, we do leave this 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 earth in a, in a better spot than than how we found it is is really very important to me. It, You know, I got into the energy business by by chance. Uh, I've stayed in the energy business, particularly the the renewable energy business um, on purpose. Right. And and so for me, it's it's that environmental aspect to it. And then second it's the um the, the legacy of 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 scholarship and 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 doing right on the in, in education and i have an endowed scholarship set up upon um my passing which i hope is a long time from now that they get their money but um i at, at my alma mater syracuse university i have i have plans set up already to to leave a legacy there
0: very cool. Well, that's a perfect way to wrap things up, Doug. Thanks for being a guest on the Building Efficiency Podcast.
1: Yeah, Jim, thanks. It's been wonderful. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for, uh, for the invitation.
0: Yeah, you got it. All right. There you have it. Episode 80 with Doug Golden. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcasts. We hope that you share this with your friends and colleagues as well. And one last thing, if you have any future guests in mind from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.